0: Bibles this morning, the book of First John, chapter number three. First John, chapter number three. When you read the book of First John, you're going to find out that there are often places that assurance is of very important to the writer of First John. Assurance that we may know that we're saved, that we know that God loves us, that we know that God is faithful. And I want you to know that you can know that God is faithful. You can know that God loves you today's message is titled this be assured God loves you be assured God loves you there are moments in our lives where no doubt we have questions about the love of God but God loves you be assured God loves you look what the Bible says in verse number 16 of first John chapter number three word of God says this hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. Be assured God loves you. Be assured God loves you. Let's consider this. We'll start this morning. Number one the love of God for us. How do I know the love of God? For me. How do I know that God loves me? The Bible says in verse number sixteen, hereby perceive we the love of God. Here's how we know the love of God. Hereby perceive we the love of God. And the Bible says this: because He laid down His life for us. The simple truth is that we know that God loves us because God sent His own Son to die on the cross for our sins. First John three sixteen reminds us of the book of John chapter three and verse sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. How do we know that God loves us? Because He laid down His life for us. He died for us. How do I know it? One of my favorite verses when I'm talking to people about knowing the Lord is Romans 5, 8. The Bible says, but God commendeth. That word means he showed. God showed. He commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How did Jesus show his love toward us? He showed his love for us when he died for us on the cross. And so the love of God is for us. And the Bible just simply says in verse 16 that we perceive and understand that he the love of God, because he laid down his life. Now, if we're going to understand the love of God, we're going to have to understand the word love. How many of you have ever noticed that the word love has broad meaning? Now, the word love is a a word that God wants to use and is of utmost importance in our theology and understanding of God and the work of God and the love of God. But the word love is a word that has multiple definitions. As a matter of fact, Our New Testament was written in the Greek language. You don't have to be a Greek scholar to understand God's Word. But I think I can help you understand the word love better when we start to think about how the word love is used in the New Testament. At least four different Greek words are used and translated in our Bibles to love. And you can understand this. There's different degrees and different types of love. Now... I've said this before. I love steak. And it's true. And my feeling towards steak is really strong. I love steak. Uh, I love it. I really do. But I've also said, I love you, Ruth. And I want you to know something. When I say I love steak, and I say I love Ruth, I'm not telling Ruth that she is on the same level as steak in my life. I know better. And it's not true. You see, I love Ruth more than steak. I, I would be heartbroken, but if I had to choose between giving up Ruth or steak, I would give up steak. Those two words, love, are, are different, right? Right? So in the New Testament, you have a word uh, that is, the, the original word is eros, and it's dis- defined and it's translated love, and it's like an erotic type of love. And I'm just going to tell you something. I'm afraid that a lot of people are exchanging the word lust and love and using them the same way. An erotic love, that a strong emotion, it's there and some people and it's often just, mentioned and said that that is love let me tell you something just because you love call it love doesn't make it righteous and if god says your form of love is sin then i want you to understand that it is not love it is lust and it is sin and god's word is the final authority we need to be cautious and careful, and really plain about that. Love the word love. Most of the time, it seems to describe like some mushy type of love. There's eros, the word eros, that kind of love. There's other loves, a phileo love, and it's like uh, it's like more of a the love you have among your family, and that's a good love. It's strong. It's great. But the love that is described to us in John chapter 3 and verse number 16, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 16, the love that God has for us is that agape love. You've probably heard folks talk about it. I don't claim to be a Greek scholar. But the word agape, it's a different kind of love. And it's a love that we could define as self-giving, unchanging. Agape love demands no repayment. The love of God for you and I is... Agape, it's the kind of love that no matter who you are, what you are, what you've done. It's that love that still stands. It's the love of God that is extended to all of us. That without regard to our sinfulness, God loves us anyway. Agape love is the kind of love, no matter what you do, you can't get any more of it because you got it all. No matter what you do, you can't get any less of it because you got it all. God loves you unconditionally. Be sure of that. The love of God for us. God loves us. He loves us without expecting anything in return. God loves us. The love of God. Is shown to us, how do you know God loves you? That's what the Bible keeps telling us, and that's the emphasis of verse number 16. We want to have assurance, be assured that God loves you. How do I know that God loves me? I know God loves me because he died for me. Now, let's talk about the death of Christ on the cross. There's a lot of folks who want to leave that out of the story of the gospel, but you can't. It's impossible. Let's talk about the death of Christ on the cross. Why in the world did Jesus die on the cross? Now, some people have this idea because they, want to, they don't think that sin is an issue. They don't think that man is condemned because of their sin. They don't think that hell's a real place. They think God is love and God, a good, loving God could never condemn somebody. God doesn't condemn somebody. We condemn ourselves and our sin. Now, why in the world did Jesus come and die on the cross for our sins? He died on the cross for our sins because we needed somebody to save us. I mean, imagine with just a moment, you can't swim. You've fallen into the lake. You're beginning to drown. A man who has a heart full of love for you jumps in the water. It could be a woman too. Jumps in the water. And while trying to save you and ultimately saving your life dies for you and drowns, that's an act of heroism. It's an act of chivalry. It's sacrifice. Someone for somebody else. But why did he jump in the water? He jumped in the water because you were going to drown. If you didn't drown, if, you didn't, if he didn't help you, you were going to drown. And you needed somebody to pay that kind of price for you. Just imagine this. Everybody's standing on the shore. The same guy. Nobody's drowning. The same guy. He looks around at all of his buddies. He's like, I love you, man. I love you too, man. I love you. I love you. I'm going to show you guys how much I love you. And he can't swim. He jumps in the lake and drowns as he's bobbing, taking his last breath. I just want you to know I love you. I'm dying because I love you. Well, we look at that story, and as far as I know, it's never happened. We think, man, that's ridiculous. Why would he... Just jump in the lake and drown to prove his love. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross as some act of chivalry to show us, Hey, look, I love you so much that I'll let some weird, cruel Roman people in a strange way nail me to a cross and finally suffocate to death. Jesus didn't die and his death was just... Because he wanted to die for us so we, he could, we could look and say, oh, wow, he died for us. That's pretty nice. No, Jesus died because we were in desperate need of a sacrifice to be paid for our sins. Jesus died on the cross for our sins with purpose. If he had not paid the price for our sins with his shed blood on the cross of Calvary, we could not have everlasting life. We could not have forgiveness of sin. He had to die on the cross and in love, God sent him from heaven, the sinless son of God, to die on the cross for our sins that we could have Everlasting life. I want you to know, it breaks my heart to hear people discredit the forgiveness of sin and the gospel message. It breaks my heart to hear people discredit The fact that men and women and boys and girls are born in their trespasses and sins and need to be saved, it breaks my heart to hear people discredit that because what you do is you discredit the need for Jesus to die and he died on the cross not as some act of chivalry. He died on the cross because if he didn't, nobody could ever pay the price for our sins and all of humanity would be condemned to hell forever. How do I know that Jesus loves me? I'll tell you. He died on the cross for my sins. Be sure, be assured, God loves you. The love of God for us. How do I know? How do I perceive that God loves me? Well, he died on the cross for my sins. The love of God for us. Oh, it's so sweet to know that the Lord loves us. How do I know he loves us? He died on the cross for our sins. And you need him without him you're condemned. Without him, your sin penalty is too great. Without him, you're lost. God loves us. How do I know? Be assured God loves you. I know that God loves me because he died on the cross for our sins. Number two, the love of God in us. The love of God for us. The love of God in us. What happens when we receive Christ by faith as our Savior? The love of God begins to indwell in us. You see, there are evidences in our lives that prove that we are the children of God. As we've been preaching through the book of 1 John, over and over again, these evidences of what God has done and what God does in our hearts, they've they're been highlighted and showed to us. They're like, now listen, if you're a child of God, you're going to feel conviction when you sin. The Word of God teaches that if you're a child of God, you're going to have different reactions and responses. If you're a child of God, God's going to prove that to you. And here's one of the proofs that we're children of God. Here's what the Bible says, again, in verse 16, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, what happens We've been talking a lot about love the brethren, love the brethren. We should be forgiving people. Forgiveness is the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why did Jesus die on the cross for our sins so he could forgive us of our sins? Forgiveness, love the brethren. We should care about other people. Now, Jesus in love died on the cross because he cared more about us than he did for himself. We should have that same love. When we have Christ in our hearts, we have love for others. The love of God in us shows up. Here's what the text says. If uh, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, since he did, we ought to. We ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. Then the Bible continues, verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God? In him. Now, in verse 16, the Bible says like Jesus laid down his life for the brethren, we ought to be willing to lay our lives down for the brethren. Now, some folks have this idea. Maybe they're looking for an opportunity to die for some good cause. That's not what the Lord's asking us to do. The truth of the matter is most people will never be put in a spot and given an opportunity to give their lives for somebody else. There are times when that happens, and for every time it happens, it's a story of great heroism. But the truth is, the love of Christ in our heart, it actually gives us a love for other people. And I'm just going to tell you, a sure sign to, we- to tell whether or not you're willing to give, lay down your life for the brethren is a, a telltale if you're willing to actually lay down portions of your life for the brethren. If you're willing to serve other people... And love other people and forgive other people. If you're willing to humble yourself and help other folks, the Bible says that's a sign that you know know and love the Lord. So we have this transition. Now, we know that God loves us because Jesus died and laid down his life for us. Because Jesus laid down his life for us, we should lay down our lives for other people. And the Bible immediately goes to the next verse. In case you get confused and you're looking for a chance to die somewhere, a martyr's death, The Bible says, whoa, don't don't get too far gone in this thinking about dying for somebody because, truthfully, if you're going to give your life for somebody, it means you're going to lay your life down for them. You're going to give portions of your life to help folks. Here's what it says. Whoso hath, verse 17, this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? The Bible says, now look. We're calling on you to be willing to lay down your life for your brethren. But the beginning of laying your life down for your brethren is a willingness to serve. He says, if you have whoso has this world, if you have possession, you have things that God has trusted you with and has uh, given you, and, you're, uh, and you know that your brother has a need, and you shut up your bowels of compassion for him, you're not willing to help even though you can. How dwell the love of God in him? The Bible says if you have the ability to help, and you won't, you don't have the same love that Jesus has for you. You don't have the love of the brethren. Now, I want to make some things clear. God's not calling on you to give away everything you've got. And God's not calling on you to give things to folks who will abuse and misuse them. We get calls here at the church Every day, asking for help with certain things. Power bills, food, uh, gas. And we do a lot to help folks, especially in our community and folks in the church. And if you have a need or have somebody that has a need, you let us know. We'll do what we can to help. But I have to use discretion on a daily basis to say yes or no. Some things, it's just a yes. If somebody comes and they say they're hungry... You know what we do? We feed them. I've got a a little trick up my sleeve, and most of the time it works. A lot of times people come to the church and they say, We're hungry. Can you get us some food? And what they're hoping is that you'll give them a a $20 bill or a $50 bill and send them on their way. They're not really as hungry, I think, as they are thirsty or other things, if you know what I mean. And they want money, so I've got a a system. I keep uh, gift cards to McDonald's in my uh desk drawer. And if somebody comes and they're hungry, you better believe we're not gonna have money in the bank and somebody hungry for a meal. Because we'll give you a uh, we'll give you a gift card to McDonald's and you can go down there and get you something to eat and uh, make sure you're not hungry. If folks need groceries, we go get them groceries. That's good. And uh we, we do those types of things. But you know occasionally somebody will call and say, hey listen, uh, they cut off my cable. We ain't got cable TV. Well, they cut off our, can can the church help us with, get our cable turned back on? And you know what I say? No. No, we can't help with that. And I'm convinced that most of the time if somebody's cable got turned off, it's probably a good thing. There's not as much filth coming in their house, one, but the main thing is when your cable gets turned off, it should be a wake-up call that, hey, look, I'm going to have to change some things. And the best thing that you can do to somebody who's worried about their cable being turned off is say, "Hey, look, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. If you, you get into a spot where you have, need food and you need uh, electricity or water or something like that, you call us back." And sometimes the best thing to say to somebody who has a perceived need is no, because that's the best thing for them. But let me tell you something. If you're unwilling to help people by saying no or help people by saying yes to the things they need, you don't have the love of Jesus ruling and working in your heart. We're to love people. And one of the ways that we know that the love of God is in us is that we love the brethren and we help folks. And when God has given us the ability to help, we do. And sometimes the ability to help is to say yes And to give, and sometimes the ability to help is to say, no, but let me help you try to set some things straight in your home, in your finances, in your world, that'll make things better for you. But we're always willing to help. Verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know what? We are so prone to say, oh, I love people. I love this world. I love people. Have you ever said, I love people? You know what? It's easy to love people, the whole group. You know, it's like, man, I love people. I love God's people. But have you ever started trying to help Bob or Betty or George? George. You see, we say, I love people. But man, when you start helping a person, one person, man, sometimes that gets really hard. But God says, don't love in word, I love people, but love in deed and in truth. What do we do? We're to help people. You know something? If you help people, you're going to get hurt. It happens. It's a fact. I remember when the Lord put in my heart to be the pastor of a church and it wasn't long until the folks at the Bowling Springs Baptist Church called me to be their pastor. I was so excited to be a pastor and to preach and help people. And in my heart was a great desire to help folks. I really did. I became the pastor of the church, and I'll just tell you, I gave those folks all I had. I gave them my best. I worked hard. I worked real hard, and I was burdened to help people and love people. But you know something that happened? There were people who literally began to hate me. I told folks, I said I never had an enemy until I became the pastor of a church, (laughs) and the Lord taught me I had to love those people too. And somebody helped me with something I don't even know where it came from, but my heart was broken because I'd poured out my life to certain people, and in turn, I'd get bitten and bitten hard broke my heart. Someone told me, they said, if you help hurting creatures, there's a high probability that you're going to get bit. But if you have a heart to help hurting creatures, you learn that the bite is a small price to pay in order to help. Somebody that God loves more than you, love them. So we learn, hey, look, we don't, we don't love and worry. I love people. I love the church. We love, indeed, I love Bob, even though Bob's mad at me right now. I love Betty, even though Betty's not very nice sometimes. I love, and you fill in your blank, and the love of Christ, it's something that God puts in us. And when you get saved by grace through faith and understand how much Jesus loves you, you can't help but love other people. And if you don't love anybody but yourself, I'm not sure, I'm not so sure that you don't know the same Jesus that I do. I'll never forget. I've got so many failures, but i never forget when the Lord began to work in my heart as a child. I got saved, and the Lord began to work in my heart. And something amazing happened. I just had an uncontrollable love for God's people. A love for the people in our community and a burden to reach them, to help them. I mean, anything I could do to help, I wanted to. And it's a sign of the love of Christ in us. It's sweet. Let me tell you a verse from God's Word. Matthew chapter 24. The Bible says, When iniquity abounds, the love of many wax cold. You know what happens? When you start losing your love for God's people, When you start losing your love for helping folks, when you start losing your love for the brethren, it is an evidence that you have already lost your love for your Savior. Let me tell you the good news you can get it back. You can get it back. When the love, when iniquity, the iniquity comes up, the sin rises, whatever that sin is. When the sin rises, the Bible says the love of many waxes cold. May God help us. You see, the love of God for us, the love of God in us. There's a fun story. I've uncovered it several times as I've studied this passage of Scripture. There's a story about a guy named Jake. Jake was a big, mean, strong, ornery drunk. Jake, he... Came to church occasionally. But when he came to church, on several occasions, Jake had come to church and what he came to church to do was to beat up the elders and evidently had succeeded. (laughs) One day, Jake came to church. And what we all pray happens to the Jakes in our world. Jake heard the gospel, humbled himself and got saved. Old Jake... Came back to church, they had a meeting the next day and the preacher asked folks to give testimony of what the Lord was doing in their hearts and Jake, big, rough, mean Jake, stood to his feet. Everybody trembled and cowed just a little bit. Big, mean, rough, tough, drunk Jake stood up and he said, yesterday when I came to this church I hated you people. But today, I love you. (laughs) And he testified to what the Lord Jesus does in our hearts. Let me tell you, if you don't love people, the love of Christ has gotten cold in your heart. And you need to love him again. You need to ask him to help you again. You need to depend on him again. You need to lean on him again. Because when the iniquity abounds, the love of many wax cold. And the sign that we know the Lord that the love of God is in us, is that we love the brethren. Oh, please love in word. Not in word, but in deed and in truth. And finally, let's consider this number three, assurance. Assurance. I told you earlier that the book of First John is rich with assurance, and we should be assured that God loves us, and God wants to help us with assurance. Do you ever doubt your salvation? It's okay because you're in good company. Lots of folks do. Sure, it's God wants you to know. And here's a verse from 1 John that's so helpful. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have everlasting life. God says you can know that you're saved. You can know that I love you. You can know that I, I'm your child. And one of the ways we know that the love of God is in us is because we love the brethren. But how many of you maybe are a little over-analytical? Sometimes you are doubters by nature or... So the Lord wants to give you a little help. Let's talk about assurance for a minute. You've thought to yourself, you know, I do love people, but there are times I don't love people. Do I love people enough? Do I love people too little? Do I love people too much? uh, 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 Did I do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? You don't have to raise your hand, but if in your heart you're one of those, I hope this helps you. Assurance. Look what the Bible says in verse number 19. Hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before In Verse 20. Here's how we can know that we're saved and we can be assured of it. Verse 20. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart knoweth all things. You may be that person that worries way too much. And you think, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if I'm loved. I don't know. Ah, uh, The Bible says, if your heart condemns you, that's that's your emotion, that's your your heart condemning you. The Bible says, look, if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. What's that mean? It, It just basically means that God's truth is greater than your emotion. You know, our emotions are fickle. And all of us have them. Our emotions are fickle. And the Bible says, if your heart, if your emotions condemn you. God's greater than your heart. What's that mean? I mean, there are times I don't feel saved. I had a Bible college professor. He said, look, salvation is not about feeling. He says, every day of the week until I've had my second cup of coffee, it's not until then that I actually feel saved. But it's not coffee that saves me. Emotion. Emotion. He says, if your heart condemns you, God's greater than your heart. You know what? There are moments in my life where I'm like, man, I don't even even—I'm even saved. Man, I've been mad and upset and aggravated and faithless, blah, blah, blah. I didn't show any love to that person. I don't even know. I'm saved. And then I have to go back to the truth of God's word. The Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I go back to the fact that God heard and answered my prayer and saved my soul. If your heart condemns you, just remember something God's greater than your heart. The truth, the principle, is greater than the emotion. Then the Bible says this. Look at it. Verse 21. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not. He says, but if you're at a moment right now where you're all hallelujahs and praise the Lord's, If your heart condemns you not, then we have confidence towards God. He says, if you feel saved and happy about it, glory. It's sweet. Be assured. Be assured that it's not your emotion that saves you. Be assured that it is God's faithfulness that saves you. Be assured that it is God's faithfulness and love as you've put your trust in Jesus who died on the cross for your sins. You be assured that God loves you. Assurance. So how's the love of God working in your life? Hey, look, be assured God loves you. The Lord loves us. The love of God is for us. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. The love of God is in us. Jesus gives us the love for the brethren. And God gives us assurance. The assurance of your salvation. It's not emotional. But it's factual. It's truth. Trust in the Lord. Where are you today? Has your love grown cold? Turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord, trust him. Be reminded fresh enough of all that he's been willing to forgive you of. And love in return. May God help us. Let's pray.